Welcome to the Grace World Leadership Podcast. This is Pastor Daniel Norris, and I want to say thank you for taking the time to download, more importantly, to listen uh, to this leadership session. You know, these opportunities are kind of like my uh, moment to be able to spend just a few minutes with you and just to kind of download into you kind of what we're hearing from the Lord as we continue to lead uh, this great house. And when I say lead this great house, I'm talking about all of us. You know, we understand that leaders make it better, uh, that uh, leaders are uh, what's required to lift the lid inside of this house. So everything that happens at Grace World uh, is because of amazing leaders like you. And so thank you for being a part. Thank you for being all in. In fact, that is the discussion for today and the third leadership behavior that we want to discuss. Now, uh, if you have not been following along, I really encourage you to go back and to download and listen to uh, leadership lesson number one and two, uh, leaders lead leaders and leaders make it better. What we've been doing is we've been talking about the leadership behaviors of Grace World. Now, uh, those leadership behaviors are based, built on five uh core leadership values, and we've been taking them apart uh, one by one, one month at a time. And so today, I want to jump into leadership behavior number three. Uh, And to give you an idea of how we got here, uh, you know, for a year, we've talked about the defining core values of the church, our kingdom culture. Uh, Grace World is built on a, a, a value system of honor, humility, hunger, and holiness. In fact, the way that we express that is this way. We say that through honor, we create an atmosphere. Through humility, we're enabled to enter that atmosphere. Through hunger, we have the ability to access what's inside of that atmosphere, and then holiness allows us to remain. Those four values define the culture upon which that we walk. Well, as we've also talked about that kingdom culture, we have uh, simultaneously been talking about a leadership culture, but we had not taken the time to define that yet. And so over the course of several months, meeting with pastors, leaders, just asking the question, what makes Grace World unique? Uh, What is it that we expect from one another? We identified five values that we wanted to instill into our leadership. And instead of expressing them strictly as just the values, we wanted to actually talk about the behaviors. What did those things look like? And so in the first one, we talked about Leaders lead leaders. We ask you to ask the question, who is it that I am uh, raising up? Who can do tomorrow what I am doing today? And then uh, the second one was leaders make it better. That's built on the value of excellence. And I asked the question, what have you done um, today to make Grace World better tomorrow? And so uh, those first two are available. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to them and really kind of maybe from time to time go back and re-listen to them because these are what we really feel is important that every one of our leaders embrace. And so today I want to jump into uh, our third one, and that is that leaders are all in. And this is built on a value of selfless service. So I want to talk about selfless service in pursuit of the mission and vision of the church. Now, simply stated, we define uh, this leadership behavior this way. I loyally support the vision and mission of the house. I have my team's back and I selflessly serve the church and community. Nothing is beyond me 
nor beneath me. That's not in my job description, is not in my vocabulary. I am happy to help. In fact, we've got uh, volunteer uh, Dream Team t-shirts, and on the back it says, happy to help. And that is our attitude, is that I'm I'm here to serve, I'm here to do what I can uh, for you. I am all in. And so an important question to ask ourselves is this, how am I personally involved in our mission and vision? How am I personally involved in our mission and vision? There's a story that I came across many years ago um, of uh, a gentleman by the name of Ross McGinnis. And his story begins in kindergarten. When he's in kindergarten, he was asked to draw a picture of what he wanted to be. You know, some kids, they, they draw pictures of superheroes, firefighters. Ross didn't hesitate. He quickly scribbled down in green and brown crayon, a stick man in a uniform. Ross wanted to be a soldier. Well, on his 17th birthday, the very first day of his eligibility, Ross, at six foot tall, 136 pounds, a lefty, he stepped into a local recruiting office and enlisted. During his infantry training, the left-handed McGinnis qualified as an expert sharpshooter shooting both left and right-handed. He further distinguished himself once he was deployed. His first call of duty was to serve in Iraq. He arrived in Baghdad in early August 2006, and his unit was sent to help quell a brewing sectarian war. It was during this time of intense fighting that Ross personally took out 50 insurgents, earning him a nomination for the Silver Star. Now, on December the 4th, 2006, while Americans back home were buying gifts for one another for Christmas, McGinnis was with his platoon sergeant, Cedric Thomas, and a few fellow soldiers, and they were out on patrol in a Humvee. McGinnis was perched on top. He was manning the machine gun. Now, from a position above their armored vehicle, an insurgent lobbed a grenade that landed at McGinnis's feet, and it fell into the vehicle. McGinnis shouted, grenade in the truck. Now, Sergeant Thomas recalled, he said, I looked, and out of the corner of my eye, as I was crouching down, I saw McGinnis pin it down. He did so even though he could have escaped. He had time to jump out of the truck, but he chose not to. He gave his life to save his crew and his platoon sergeant. Now, to his friends, McGinnis's final heroic act, it did not surprise them. He was that kind of person willing to sacrifice himself to have his buddies go down. When we talk about being all in, you know, our soldiers who lay their life on the line day in and day out, they are truly all in. You know, these stories of selfless service that we find in the military, uh, it comes as no surprise and it's not an accident. The U.S. Army actually teaches selfless service as a core value. In fact, this is the way that they instruct it. You'd find this in the uh, U.S. Army core value statements. Selfless service is placing your duty before your personal desires. It's the ability to endure hardships and insurmountable odds because of love for fellow soldiers and our country. Placing your duty before your personal desires has always been key to the uniqueness of the American soldier. As citizen soldiers, we claim our service to nation, state, and community to be a specially valuable contribution. The selfless soldier, selfless soldier does not make decisions and take actions designed to promote self, further a career, or enhance personal comfort. 
For leaders, the age-old phrase of mission, men, and me still rings true today. Selfless service is the force that encourages every soldier. It is critical to the well-being of a military organization. By serving selflessly while on and off duty, we greatly enhance our value to our fellow citizens. I work consider that whether on duty or off duty. This is the force that propels, encourages the soldier, the mission, the organization. I want you to consider that statement from the U.S. Army and contrast or parallel that with the Apostle Paul's letter to the to the uh, church at Philippi. He said this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father." In that passage, there are five principles that I see of selfless service, and I want to do those with you quickly. The very first one is purpose. Purpose. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. He says, each one of you should not look to your own interest, but to the interest of others, and let your attitude be the same as Christ Jesus. Being all in requires a full commitment to the call and the purposes of God. It, uh, as, as leaders, there can't be any doubt to our buy-in or ownership of the mission and vision that God has called us to. And so that means we've got to eat it, drink it, breathe it that divine purpose that God's called you to and us as a house, it has to be that which compels us. You know, I recognize as a senior leader that I have to own the culture, the vision, the mission of the house, and it has to be evident in the language and the behavior and the way that you see. If if those that um, are a part of our leadership team or those that follow in the church, if they doubt the commitment of their senior leader to the mission of the house, then they themselves are not going to feel certain that this is actually where we're called to go. You see, a leader with wavering commitment always produces instability. And so you have to embrace the purpose. You have to embrace it. You have to live it. You have to own it. The second thing that I see in this passage is priorities. So the first is purpose. The second is priorities. Paul says, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Christ prioritized his mission even over his position in heaven. It was mission over position. Priority was given to the mission. Um, He put it ahead of himself. 
he embraced that that phrase in the Army Corps values of mission, men, and me. This is a military mindset that reminds every leader that their call of duty is first to the mission, then their fellow soldiers, and lastly, to themselves. And it's a clear picture of what selfless service really looks like. You know, um, in the Army, they understand that the mission has to take priority, that there's a reason for this mission. It's important. If there wasn't, then we don't need to be doing it. We've got an objective to accomplish. And so we put that first. We've got to accomplish the mission. And then on that, to step into it and realize I'm here to serve others and not serve myself. If a leader were to step onto the battlefield and say to his uh, soldiers that he's leading, he said, all right, we're going to go take that hill. And as his soldiers begin running in that direction, he starts running in the opposite direction. That's going to cause instability in the team. It's going to be a lack of trust. And I promise you that mission is already doomed to fail. And so the priorities have to be set right. In Christian leadership, we express it this way, God, others, then me. It's God first. I've given everything. He's taken the priority. I'm following his purposes. And then I want to embrace that call to serve others. And then lastly, myself. So purpose, priorities, number three is perseverance. It's the key to anything. Paul said, in being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. He understood that the prize was going to require a fight. And so he put not only just the priorities, but he also put the joy in front of him and understood there's a purpose behind this. I'm going to give myself, I'm going to uh, persevere even through death and the cross to accomplish the goal. I promise you that everything that you attempt to do for the kingdom of God is going to meet trials and tests and temptations and tribulations. All of these things are going to contend against the mission. You know, the enemy does not like to give up ground without a fight. You're going to have to expect that you're going to face adversity. But adversity is always key because adversity will weed out the committed from the uncommitted. In fact, commitment and consistency, that's like a one-two punch in a fight. If you can learn to embrace commitment and consistency, I promise you, you will win every single time. You know, the old parable of the tortoise and the hare. You know, the turtle wins the race. Why? Because He's committed and he's consistent. Slow and steady wins the race. The rabbit, he's all over the place. But the the turtle, he just stays committed to the mission. He just stays committed to the track. And in the end, he always wins. You may lose a battle or a fight, but I promise you, perseverance over the long haul always pays exponential dividends. And so embrace commitment. Embrace um, uh, consistency. And if you'll remain committed to both those things, throw them like a one-two power punch, you will always win in anything that you attempt to do. So purpose, priorities, perseverance, number four, protest. In fact, no protest. The Bible says he humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself. 
Selfless service demands that we abandon the right to protest. Now, this is anti-American because we 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 feel like we are entitled to protest and exert our rights no matter what. But if you have prioritized God's purpose, if you've based your life off of His call over you, then your own personal best interest is no longer a part of the equation. We don't have the right to protest. In fact, we see this oftentimes whenever something's not going our way, whenever we face adversity, whenever a decision is made that we feel like, you know what, that doesn't help advance me. Um, then that that selfish nature begins to rise up and it wants to speak out and speak against. But you know what we need to do? We need to stop and we need to think about what it is that we're truly saying. Whenever we feel the urge to protest, ask the question, am I asking for something that's in my own best interest or am I looking out for the best interest of others? Now that that always helps figure out, you know, in this in this if if I don't understand something, am I am I in this selfishly or am I actually looking out for those that are around and saying, okay, I need clarification on something, or I'm not quite certain about this because I'm looking out for everybody else that's here uh, that I'm serving, and so uh, we abandon the right to protest, and so uh, those four so far: purpose, priorities, perseverance, protest, and lastly, promotion. The Bible says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. Understand that God's kingdom functions in reverse. The world tells you, look out for yourself, to use others to get ahead, to do what seems best or feels right. But I promise you, a free agency mindset is a guaranteed way to destroy a team and to self-destruct the corporate mission. If you've got a lot of free agents on a team, you don't have a team. What you have is a lot of individuals that look like a team uh, that creates siloed ministries. Um, it creates division and disunity. And I promise you, it's a losing culture. Selfless service says don't make decisions and take actions designed to promote yourself further a career, or enhance your own personal comfort. No, a selfless service says, I will prefer everybody else ahead of myself. In fact, it's the team over me. In fact, I've, uh, the old, old phrase that coaches use all the time, you will not find I in team. Spell it out, T-E-A-M. There is no I. And so it's teamwork, teamwork that makes the dream work. So remember, Jesus humbled himself as low as he could go, and because of that, God elevated him to the highest place. In God's kingdom, the way up is to go down. And so to find promotion in God's kingdom, it's simple. Find a place to serve. Find a place to serve in humility. Don't look to promote yourself. Don't look to find a place to say, hey, you know what? Let me, let me take the higher place. No, just find a place to humbly serve. So let me ask a few questions. Uh, in fact, this is also in our leadership notes. I would encourage you to take a look at them. And uh, just in a, in a time of a thoughtful prayer and meditation, ask yourself these probing questions. Number one, in your own words, state the mission and vision of our church. Not the way that I say it. How, how do you say it? What is the mission and vision of our church? And do you own it? Number two, how would you score your commitment to see that mission and vision come to pass? And then a more probing question, how would those that you lead grade your commitment to the mission and the vision? You know, if you give yourself an A plus, but then you think, you know what, I've got people that are serving alongside and I think they would probably score me as average, 
then there's a disconnect in taking that um, commitment further down to those that we lead. Number four, um, how well has the ones that you lead, how well have they adopted your level of commitment? One thing that I'm always impressed with with organizations is whenever I see high levels of commitment and buy-in inside of an entire team. In fact, whenever I see uh, churches, organizations, ministries that have a tremendous amount of volunteers, but they function as if they are paid full-time staff members, then you realize, man, there is a church, there's a culture here that has really embraced this idea of being all-in. It's the only way to win. Uh, Number five, what hardships might you be asked to endure as you embrace your purpose and priorities? And then what will be your predetermined response to these adversities? Remember, adversity is going to come. Anything worth fighting for is going to require a fight. And so when it comes, what's your predetermined decision on how you're going to persevere through that? Number six, take a moment to think about areas that you currently feel an offense about or areas that you feel compelled to speak out against or that you've complained about. And are these areas that maybe you should have remained silent? And are there areas that you need to make amends for? Number seven, and it's the the question that we began with, how are you personally involved in our mission and vision? And hopefully those other six questions helped you uh, think through that and to be able to ask that of yourself a little bit more accurately. And so, well, uh, that brings us to the end. Let's finish in a word of prayer. Um, and once again, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. You know, I, I wish that you and I could sit down face to face and spend time with one another. Uh, but uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this is our way of doing this. This is our way of sitting down and just kind of breaking open a little bit of the leadership culture of the house. And I truly do believe that if you'll get this into you and get this into the people that you lead, that you'll make Grace World better. Let's pray. Father, I want to say thank you. Uh, just for the responsibility of leadership. And I thank you for leaders that are all in. Father, I ask for the grace and the strength, Lord, uh, in myself and Lord, in our team, to be able to give our all. Lord, we desire to give our full commitment to the cause and to remain consistent, regardless of the adversity that comes our way. May the mission and vision of this house burn itself deep within me. May it burn itself deep within us. And may... Um, I be all in. Lord, may we be all in to see it come to pass. Amen.